Hi, it's Jackie Lloyd-Brown here and I've got a special guest with me on Dutty Sink Drama today. Her name is Diana Brown and I'll let her introduce herself. Hello Jackie, yeah, my name is Diana Brown and people will probably know me from um, The Master Plan with uh, Barry K Sharp, which is a single that we had out in 1991. Oh, happy days. Exactly. Yeah, acid jazz period. Um, what, yeah. what, what what genre would you say it was? It would have been Rare Groove. Rare think, Groove, something of course. That we started. Yeah, Rare Groove. Oh, so cool. So uh, you got into the charts, you did Top of the Pops, I guess. No, we didn't do Top of the Pops. We were in the charts for 12 weeks um, wow. in the dance charts. And we did a Jonathan Ross, live Jonathan Ross. We'd, we did quite a lot of live television. Mm. And also we were in America and we did a, quite a few live shows out in um, Miami and New York. Oh, so you've done the fame thing. Mm. That's another story. We'll go, exactly. we'll, we'll go back to that. But first, let me get into it. Mm. Tell me about your heritage. What is it? I'm mixed race. Um, my mother's Italian and my father's Jamaican. Basically. Right. Okay. Yeah. So how's that work? Did they meet here in the yeah. UK? Yeah, they did actually. They met in Tottenham Court Road um, <laughs> at a dance in Tottenham Court Road. My father came here with the Windrush and uh, my mother came when she was about 22 from Italy, a nice little village up in the mountains, but there was nothing for her up there. And she came to, uh, actually, she, she came to uh, Hearn Bay, first right. and foremost. She came from Italy to Hearn Bay, where she had a family, that, that she knew a family there, well, her family knew a family there, and mum worked for them for a few years, and then she moved to London and um, with a friend of hers called Mari. They used to go dancing Oh, in Tottenham right. Court Road. Wow, so they'd take the train up. Yeah, and, uh, that's correct. <laughs> and, and go in, dancing. And she got herself a little black man. Yeah, she got herself a little Jamaican. And the, the story was that he loved how mum danced. Right. Mum was meant to be a really good dancer. Right, they told you this story yeah, together. Yeah, they told me the story, yeah. How <laughs> right. mum used to love to dance and he, he thought that she was sexy. And um, she used to dance. <laughs> so what's your dad's story on the way back from the Windrush, you know, landing here? How old was he or did I, he talk about it much? Well, I think he was 34 when he arrived. Um, oh. He came from a very poor family of 10. And uh, yes, from Kingston, that's where he was born. And then he decided to come to England and he stayed in England with, uh, with well, I think he, he was in England before a few years before he met my mum. And then he stayed with my mum for, for about six, seven years. And then he went, he left and he went um, back to Jamaica where he said he, he had a, uh, a truck and he, you know, he had some dances he used to do the dances and things like that and then he said he went back to um he went back to america to connecticut but when he was in london he said that he had a job with um british british gas but because he was illiterate basically mm -hmm. they wanted to teach him and they wanted to um what's that yeah, upskill him yeah sort of. mm -hmm. yeah but he he didn't want to do it he didn't want to go and learn at his age he said so uh he left British Gas and he left my mum and he went back to Jamaica and then he went to Connecticut where he spent his life in Connecticut. Oh, nice. Okay. So mm. that period, mm. where, when were you living with your mum and dad when you were a kid up to about that seven, mm. in that seven year period? No, or? what happened was, was when I was eight months old, they decided to send me to Italy for six years to live with my grandparents in uh, Tuscany up in a, a little village called Verucolette, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. With my grandmother and grandfather and my mother's four sisters and 
six brothers, so it was a big family. Italiano. Yeah, living in a very small house up in the mountains. And then when I was six years old, my mum came to pick me up with a friend of hers and brought me back to London. By that time, dad had already left. So you did, your mum would only come to visit you when you were in Italy? Well, she, she didn't actually come to visit me. She left me there for about six years. I oh. can't remember her coming to visit me, only to come and take me away back to London. That's a, that's a, wow. Hmm. I don't know how, what to, what, <laughs> how to describe what that would have done to your sense of identity. So you're pretty much Italian yeah. to start off with. Um, my first language, yeah. Yeah, your first language. And um, tell me about the adjustment then when you got back to the UK. Well, the, the adjustment seemed to be okay because obviously mum spoke Italian and um, we moved, I moved into Sutherland Avenue where I, I was brought up. Well, Where's that? Sutherland Avenue, West Nine, oh, which is right. just off the Harrow Road. Oh, right, okay. Basically, and I, they took me to Sutherland Avenue right on the top floor. So that's, and then I started school straight away, Edward Wilson. On well, a senior street. Well, this is global, so nobody's going to know it all, but um, I don't know. But yeah, that's Warwick Vale? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. And I went to school there. Uh, the, what was happening was that, because I hadn't heard any reggae music, <laughs> when I was when mum used to walk me down the Harrow Road, there was a reggae shop uh, near Portnall Road, and I used to just stand in the middle of the road and dance. Oh, it just got to your it bones. It just got to my bones, because obviously I didn't hear that music in Italy. Oh, I see. And so, so mum used to go, come on, Diana, come no, mum. You know, I, was, I must have been six. I was six. Just Seven. a cute little girl dancing yeah. in the street. How sweet. Yeah, that was very sweet. And what about the meeting with your dad for the first time? Well, I met my dad 35 years later. No way. Yeah. So you, you didn't have any of his Caribbean oh, influence. Oh, right. Sorry. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. When I, got, when I arrived back from um, Italy, dad was with us for a year, I think. But there was a scene where mum went to work and dad was looking after me. And we used to have a toilet downstairs, mm. not in the flat downstairs, in the, in the old kind of houses. And he used to say to me, don't look out the bathroom window, you know, because it's dangerous. And I used to always stand on the toilet and look out the bathroom window. And he saw me from up the top. And when I got upstairs, he gave me a wallop. And I was frightened. And I, I sat behind the, uh, the settee. And when my mum got in from work, she goes, where's Diana? He goes, she's behind the settee. He goes, what, you know, she said, what, did you smack her? And he goes, yeah, because she was looking out the window. Never smack my daughter again. Never do that. Yeah? Yeah, she. And, mm. um, yeah, and that was, and then dad left. And I never saw, no, no hide, nor hear of him again. So did you think at the time, I'm really sorry to hear all that, because, mm. you know, you know, I don't want to rush on to the next question, mm. because... You're, you probably blamed yourself? No, 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 no. No, I wouldn't have blamed myself because basically it was nothing to do with me. They were adults. I was a child. Yeah, as a child, though, some no. children blame themselves when parents split up. No, no. I didn't Nothing feel to do that. with me. No, because I had my grandparents that loved me to death. Yeah. Yeah, and um, being an Aquarian child, I, um, I, I, don't, I don't take other people's problems on. Yeah. I just see who looks after me and who was looking after me and mum was doing the best she possibly could. Always clean clothes, good food, all the school outings, everything. She used to moan and groan as well. Don't get me wrong, Italian. But um, I had the best of everything that she could give me. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. And so with your dad gone, Mm. um, did you navigate your identity in the UK as being uh, other or is it because you were brought up in Maida Vale, London, which is a very cosmopolitan area? I mean, it's cosmopolitan in a sexy way now, but back then it was with lots of other immigrants there and mm. stuff. I think what happened to me is that I couldn't see myself as being 
black or mixed race when I was younger because I was brought up in Italy, all white people, Italians. Mm. There was no black people. I was only dark person in my whole village. And when I was a baby, people from all around the, 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 the area would come to see me <laughs> because they'd never seen a, a mixed race baby before. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that's true because there was a postman who, um, who I bumped into many, many, many years later. He's passed away now. And he used to say, yeah, when I used to come um, to see your nan and send, you know, give her letters, people from all over the uh, area would come and see me. Oh my goodness. The little girl. Little novelty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't know what colour I really was when I went to primary school. I didn't see colour. Yeah. I just saw me, mm. you know, mm. and I never had a problem with colour well, ever until maybe I was 14 or 15 and a friend of mine called Elaine Pickley, she, her father used to go to the conservative club on the Harrow Road. And we used to play out and then she used to go, I'm just going to go and see my dad. She goes, oh, but uh, can you wait outside, Di, because they're a bit funny in here. And that's that's the only time I actually thought, oh, what was that about? But apart from that, I, I've never had a problem with being who I am. So the children at school, mm. I mean, that's usually where we start developing baby politics, I call it. Mm. Um, you're, you were surrounded with kids from everywhere then, mm. from all races. Mm. yeah I think that makes a massive difference well yeah I was always very popular and being the person I, uh, that I am I take people for face value rather than the color of their skin mm. you know yeah but you weren't like uh, some of my guests like the only black child in a school full of white children and uh, being and working out who they are from that if you're in a melting pot, so to speak, uh, playground, then there are less issues, really. I think that that's probably what you're saying. There's l- unlikely mm. to feel alienated. Well, I think that if you was to have, if I was to have gone to, to live in the countryside somewhere in England, maybe then. But yeah. because I was in like West Nine, mm-hmm. which is the centre of London, basically just near West Two and then West One, then I, that, that, that it was better for me. You yeah, know, I didn't have that problem at all. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, great. So tell me about that coming of age period um, in your teens. So you, 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 your your friend takes you to the to wait out, gets you to wait mm. outside the Conservative Club, mm. and then you were like questioning why. Yeah, how I've... how much time did you spend on it working out? why that was or was it something you came back to to and fro in over the years well no because i saw the kind of family she came from and it was like a, a, a typical white uh, uh working class family so i wasn't really bothered about that that was her father it wasn't nothing really to do with me i um um i'm, I'm sure i forgot what you said sorry no it's okay i was just tr- trying to dis- work out how you then on started looking at yourself or looking at how others see you was there a point where I mean it doesn't really have to be about race but there's a point where we when we're coming of age that we start to put our our identities together like oh and I like this music and I like this food I mean were you Hmm. like okay let's let's stick with that food did Hmm. you manage to get into the Jamaican food no and you didn't have anything to do with your dad's family? No, because I didn't know where he was. My, but his, fa- his, his, I don't know, his brothers? No, he didn't. No, no they're all in Jamaica. 
Right, okay. I was in Jamaica, so I didn't know anything about my father. And I used to always ask the guys on All Saints Road, All Saints Road, do you know a guy called Etel Brown? Do you know a guy called Etel Brown? And yeah, Etel Brown, yes. Um, we used to call him um, Johnny Longtie because he always used to wear a long tie. Johnny Longtie, I love that. That's yeah, a, Johnny that's, Longtie. That's a character name in a book. Yeah, you Johnny must write Longtie. It. But what happened was that I went to Maribyrn Girls School, secondary school, and I had a couple of friends and we used to go dancing. We, we found a club called the Edwards, which was a bar on Edgware Road, and we used to go down, down there religiously. I had a black friend called Carol Byam and then I had a good white friend called Debbie, uh, Debbie Jeffries, and we used to go dancing. Yeah. And that was where the mix was. That's where I found out that being mixed race was was really lovely because I was half white and half black. So I could, you know, mingle in with yeah. everybody. A lot of people used to think that I was um, Asian or also Moroccan or African. Like they thought that I was Israeli. They, mm. thought I, they thought I came from anywhere and anywhere. Everywhere. And mm. that, that was really exciting and, and lovely for me. I wasn't just mixed race. I was Everybody. Yeah, every man. Oh, so you embraced it. Yeah. Oh, that's great, actually. You know, yeah. every kind of people. You're the world. I and am. And it's like, hmm, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I could was be. the world, I was the world. Yeah. So uh, what about, I mean, you got into fashion, you know, if we fast forward um, some years. What was the inkling that you might have got into fashion when you look back at your teens? Well, when I was younger, I mean really young maybe 10 or 11 I was super fashionable because there was a CNA and mum used to take me down CNA like every week mm-hmm. and there was I don't know there was a at one time there was a chain with a bell on it a proper bell mm-hmm. and uh, and I used to wear that and I was really funky at a young age and I had a friend called Valeria whose mum and dad had a cafe on the Harrow Road and she used to go to another school but we used to see each other on a Sunday and she used to say to her mum mum can you ask uh, Diana's mother where she got her top from mum can you ask Diana where she mum where she got her shoes from and I and I used to say mum don't tell, tell her them, yeah. don't tell her where I got my stuff from mum I don't want everyone wearing what I'm wearing setting you know? trends setting I, trends and I was 10 11 right no, even nine mm-hmm. mm, you know yeah so I had that in me from a young age I, so how did you dare to dream about being in music because mm, I used to uh, lie down in, on the sitting room floor in front of the fire. And my plan when I was about nine um, was to um, be a hairdresser, become a hairdresser so that I could be a singer. Right. You know, so I could fund my singing yeah. career. And you used to just daydream about it. Yeah, and just... in the evening I used to think, yeah, well, if I become a hairdresser, then I can fund myself and then I can become a singer. And I mean, I didn't even know if I could sing. Right, okay, but you like the idea of it. Who who was out there that influenced you? Was it was it Diana Ross? Mm-mm, it was pop music. Yeah, like in the nineteen sixties. Well, I mean, I loved Elvis Presley. Yeah, you know, when before he died. I mean, I loved Elvis Presley and Rock Around the Clock. Yeah. I mean, I loved all the Bill records Honey. that they played on the radio. You know, like the mm. top twenty on a Saturday or Sunday. Or I'm yeah, not it was sure a Sunday. It was a Sunday. A Sunday. The top yeah, 30. and I used to have yeah, and I used to have a radio near my kitchen table, and I used to listen to the countdown. Yeah, and I loved every t- every single tune. Yeah, and you. Do you know, if you still hear them, are you I able to recite them? Or, yeah, every, yeah, I know every single tune. Yeah, I'm the same. 
<laughs> you know, every single tune. Oh, I wonder if one no, day... We might, might, have to, we might have to pay for there. these. Oh, <laughs> right, sorry. One of those ones. Oh, yeah. Every single last Pop tune. It on a string, yeah. Every, every, every last tune. Sandy yeah. Shaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah. on and on and on and on. Like Cliff Richard and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Walker Brothers. Yeah, and then, and then the black music came in as well. Like, um, uh, what's his name? Um, I can't remember what his name is now. But, yeah, then the black music came in slowly. From what are you talking about? In the 70s. Yeah. Early 70s. So, uh, you mean when we had... George McRae. So, yeah, soul, disco. Yeah, George McRae yeah. came in. Rock, Rocky Baby. And all yeah. that. And it went on and on and on and on. And that's when I started, like, going out with my friends, like, to the um, Adventure Playground Disco. And then we went to the other Adventure Playground Disco. And then we went to the <laughs> Youth Club, Club Disco. And it was always... And then Napoleons, which was on Little Venice Disco, when the black music started coming out. And it was yeah, just real soul. Yeah. yeah, soul and disco. I mean, that's runs through my veins. And funk. Yeah. Jazz funk. You yeah, know, I was a jazz funker, to be fair. Yeah. Um, oh, right. And tell us then about your first foray into music when it became a reality. Well, I, um, we started, me and my friend started going to a club called Countdown and I uh, oh, was a really good dancer at that time. I used to love dance. I didn't know I was good, but I was, you know, dancing to all the disco music and that. And I met Barry K Sharp at the disco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as you do. As you do. And um, yeah, and we started dancing together and, you know, he was a good dancer and he loved how I danced. And then we kind of started going out with each other. He left one of his girlfriends to actually come out, go out with me and... That, that you know the rest is history we um we traveled a lot together and i was in italy at one time and he was in london and he phoned me up he goes diana do you want to start a band and i've gone what diana brown and he's gone the brothers or it was like diana brown and i've gone what the brothers so i came back to england and we started the band diana brown and the brothers oh how did he just what did he put an ad in the paper Mm-mm. he knew a lot of people barry's always known a lot of people so he just picked out people he knew and asked yeah. them do you want to be the drummer do you want to be keyboards mm. right. and, they, and they ended up being the, the uh, brand new heavies no yeah that's correct they were the brand they ended up being the brand new heavies they oh. were our first little band that we used to go and rehearse in, in um yeah wow Healing. You know what? There are there's some shows called like the Music Family Histories. Yeah. This is definitely in there for sure. Yeah, um, that's you don't realise the yeah. the connections. Oh, well, some of them from Ealing. Yeah, the drummer seemed to be a lot of. Uh, there's a real music family coming from Ealing. Yeah, the drummer was from Ealing. Oh. I can't actually remember. Oh, someone Kincaid. Yeah, don't worry. Don't don't even name. Yeah. don't name them. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, so yeah. you so you got the band together got and band rehearsal together. studios. So he was yeah. a mastermind, as it Barry. were. Yeah. yeah, an Aquarian. He's proper mastermind. Right, and you just went along with it. And... Yeah, because he wanted me because you know he loved me. He wanted me to be the star of the show, and <laughs> I I actually wasn't a great singer. He was your Sefengali. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He was because he knew me and he knew that I had certain attributes hmm. that could work. Hmm. And I was good on stage. I, right. I, I didn't have this kind of worry about, you know, anything. I wasn't shy or anything. Yeah. On stage, I could, I could manage it. Yeah. And he, and he saw that. Right. You yeah. See? No insecurity. No, no insecurity. Oh, right. Just, just can't remember. wait. To, yeah. You can't wait to go on. Yeah. Thing. Well, obviously a little bit of nerves at the beginning, but once you're on, you're singing a tune. Yeah. You know, and you're yeah. having a dance as yeah. well. And that yeah. was, it was great. I've always, always enjoyed every minute that I was on, on telly and on stage. Oh, fantastic. So did you ever think, um, well, 
What happened when you told your dad or when your dad find, you know, found out about this uh, little talented daughter he's got? How did that, how did that go? Well, he, to tell you God's honest truth, he, he, when I first met him, I mean, remember, I went to Jamaica. He got in contact with me and I went to Jamaica to see him. When was that? that sorry, that was let's in go eight, back. I think it might have been 84, 85. How old were you? Roughly. I'm, about, I'm not sure. Maybe I must have been about... Mm. When I first met Dad, I must have been in my early 30s or something like oh, that. Oh, right. Okay. So you went to see your dad. Yeah, because and... he wrote a letter to the... Um, what was the not the Commonwealth. Uh, the Home Office? Yeah. And I got a letter saying that a gentleman named Etel Brown was interested in uh, getting to, to find me, to find me. And mm. so I got the letter and I rung him up straight away. I goes, Dad? He goes, yes. I goes, Dad, you know... Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> my daughter, yes, Dad. So when you come in, so oh. I, went, I went straight to Jamaica and um, I saw him at the airport in Kingston and I thought, is that my dad? Oh. Yeah, and he looked, and, but, but what Dad thought was I was going to be like, like the girls with the gold teeth. Right. Know, grow up with, you know, like the bad girl with the gold teeth Big, in my head. and fat earrings. Yeah, and yeah. one of those ones. Yeah. And he was, you know, quite astonished. That um, I wasn't like that. Right. Okay. Mm. And well, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to imagine the whole thing. There's so many questions happening at yeah. once for me. So you you reunite with your dad, mm. and had you done the music yet? Or yeah, I had, yeah. I had done the music. And so, I mean, when you even got so. off the plane, mm. uh, and you're in this sunny country, yeah, Kingston, King, uh, yeah, and you hadn't been to Jamaica before. Yeah, I had been to Jamaica oh, before. Oh, I, I see. Been, but not to see that. That's what I'm saying. I went on so holiday you... before with my mates, before oh. I went to America singing. Yeah. So you, So when you went to mm-hmm. the Caribbean then, uh, let's get take your dad out of the equation. Mm. What was the feeling? Um, did you feel like I'm home, half of you? Um, or mm. was there a connection? Because, I mean, your home technically was Italy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when I saw the Jamaicans, I knew that, you know, this is my blood as well. I, I didn't know where my family was, but I knew that it was my blood. And it was really hot. And I was getting bitten by these um, yeah, the sand, the sand. Oh. Um, there's these little the sand mites. mites, yeah. Getting bitten by these sand mites. I'm thinking, Jesus. But the water was beautiful and uh, the food was nice. Yeah. Fish, you know, this, that and the other. Yeah, I would have loved to have, you know, met my dad, but I didn't know where he was. I didn't yeah. know if he was dead or alive. So, but the, yeah, but I'm still, you know, interested in you connecting with uh, your habitat that was like denied you because you know mm. circumstances and did you have a did you say to yourself at the time do you know what I'm coming back and I'm coming back to see my dad next time I come back here did you have anything no, like that no I didn't because I didn't know if he was dead or alive right I didn't okay. have I didn't know I didn't know where to look I mean mm. it was like mm, you know I went there for two weeks or three weeks with a friend from holiday my, yeah mm. but I, I wouldn't have known where to start looking for my dad because Jamaicans have got different names yeah, and they're well. not always accurate, exactly. you know. They yeah. don't always keep their their real names. Yeah, that's at all. correct. Right. So, um, more about when you got to Jamaica and met up with your dad mm. and spent some time. He took you back to the house, mm. and he, did he take you on a tour, like going, "This is my daughter. This is yeah, my yeah. daughter." You know. Yeah, this is. He took me to Mandeville because he was living in uh, Lancaster district. Oh no! Oh, yeah. oh, stop there, Mandeville. That's mm. sort of where my people are from. Saint yeah. Elizabeth. Yeah. Down there, yeah, Clarendon. Yeah, Dad was from originally from Kingston and then he went to live in uh, Lancaster District, which was about a 15-minute drive to um, Manchester, I mean, um, Mandeville. 
Right. So that was good, and I used to go to Mandeville every day, basically. It's rainy there, apparently. Yeah, so I've, I have been. There's a big market there. Yeah, that big market. I used to go there every day because there wasn't really a lot to do. Yeah. Remember, I'm European, and so, you know, we like to go shopping, have a look around, not always buy, but I found Jamaica to be an, a, an, a lovely island, but not with not really a lot to do, not yeah. really a lot to see. It's island you know? life. Exactly, and <laughs> I used to go to this shop called Ping Pong, Every single day. And then it was a material shop. We used to go ping pong every single day and buy material. Think, oh, when I get home, I can make, make this. Make this, make right. that. Yeah. And then I used to go to the Mandeville Hotel to go to the swimming pool there if I didn't want to go to, like, the beach. Yeah. Because yeah. Dad was worried about me going to this to sea. Yeah. He was worried about, no, nah, man, I, mean, I want you to go all the way down to junction and then yeah. go to here junction i yeah. remember walking down to junction that's a yeah. long walk it's when it's hot yeah oh, junction oh, oh. when i want you to go to the beach when i want you to go into the sea so i used to go to the sea with a lady called angie but mostly every day i'd go to um to the mandeville hotel and just swim around the pool and just oh my god yeah and then go shopping and then go back home to dad and cook him up food oh uh, oh right you actually started cooking up the food mm. yourself how did you know what to cook and well, how to he cook used it to, because he was in england with my mum wasn't he? So he used to like bacon and he used to like eggs and he used to like spaghetti bolognese and he used to like all that kind of Oh, so of you're food. cooking English food mm. or, or Italian food? Well, Italian food and then occasionally we'd go to the lady about two shops away and she used to do the most amazing um, pork something. What is it? Pork? Oh, you mean jerk pork? Jerk pork. Oh. Um, oh. On a Saturday, oh. me and dad used oh. to get the jerk pork about 10, about 10. Yeah. 30 yeah. at night, uh, in the morning, Dad, I used to go, Dad, do you think the food would be ready yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he'd go, no, nah, man, it's too early. I goes, Dad, I'm going to go and have a look. So I used to go and get this woman's food. It was just unreal. Wow. Me and Dad used to, I used to get it for him. We used to come back and eat it. It was delicious. Oh, that was a lovely connection. Yeah. You and your dad sitting there and yeah, eating. On the veranda. And getting, yeah, getting to know each other. Um, no animosity. No, no, man. He was a Piscean. Me and him got on like a house on fire. Oh, that's lovely. You know, I know how much. And the lady called Angie who used to live up the road and she used to come and visit us. And he used to say to her, La, Jesus Christ, Angie, this girl don't know how much me love her. Oh. How much me love my daughter, my one daughter. Oh, has it got? Did he have any more children? No, I was the only one. Oh, you were the only baby. Oh. Yeah, I was the only baby. But then I met all my other cousins from Did him. you? Yeah, one cousin. She was uh, her name's Valda. Very beautiful, lovely lady. She was a head head teacher for a school in Asia, which was down the road from dad. And then I had a uh, another cousin, her who was a philosopher. And then I had um, scientists in my family. Jamaican wow. family. I've got mathematicians in my, my Jamaican family. I mean, teachers, mm. a lot of teachers. Very, very bright family. Oh, that's really impressive and, and good for you to see. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I, I mean, we're saying it like, oh, surprisingly, but yeah. there is a middle class in, exactly. in Jamaica um, but or in the Caribbean per se, but uh, very hardly known or ever talked about. Yeah, it's all it's all um, education, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Education, Police, education, etc. Uh, librarians, historians, all sorts. Mm. But yeah, okay. Well, that's what these interviews are about: to try and reveal little tiny bits of uh, who we all are, um, where, where we've come from, and and all of that. Um, I think it's about time to wrap up. I it's, I know it's so short. But I have got to edit this, people. Mm -hmm. This is a lot. Um, but thank you, Diana. Will you come back on my next series? I am going to do part two. Definitely, yeah. We can go on to what happened after that. Well, yes, because you have let me not be premature here. 
you're going into writing now. You're a writer. Mm, I am, yeah. Oh, so uh, yeah. Just give us a little brief uh, update on where you are with that. Well, basically, um, quickly, um, I was in a relationship with a guy and it wasn't working out. And I just had a, a title called Have Some Respect. Mm. And that was in 2013. No, no, it was t- 2008. And I started a book in 2008 and I stopped writing for about five years. And then I picked it up um, when I went to Italy um, through COVID, just before COVID. And it took me about two years to, fin- to finish it off. So, yeah, I've written a book. Oh, there's too many things there. You, Italy was having the COVID situation pretty badly and you went there. No, no, I was there before the COVID. Oh, I see. I went there for about seven months. Oh, I and see. And I started the book there. Oh, I see. I continued the book there. Okay. And then I came back for COVID and I, com- and I finished it off in COVID here. Oh, I mean, COVID, you know, where there's a lot to hate, but there's a lot to love because us creative people, if you couldn't flourish in that period, you ain't going to flourish exactly. ever. Uh, so you were always a writer. I didn't know that I could write a book. I didn't know the imagination. I got a really vivid ima- imagination. I didn't. I knew I did, but I didn't know if I could put it in writing. And mm. I did. Right. Okay. So when uh, the situation changes and you've got a book out, definitely going to have you come back and be interviewed all about mm. it. So yeah, yeah, the, the writers' club exactly, and I yeah. know that you've got quite a few books out as well. Oh well, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. We'll just stick with Dutty Sink drama for now and talk yeah. about that one and all the poetry yeah. involved. Exactly, in that. but yeah, uh, we'll get into that another day. But honestly, so lovely of you to join me on my show today. Um, honestly, I, I know you're a busy woman, so thanks for taking time out, Diana. Thank you so much for having me. Lovely. Bye. Bye. Don't you say